You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho and I'm your host. Today, the topic at hand is healthy environments, uh, particularly uh, in urban settings. What we've seen over the last uh, couple of decades is that all across America, in our cities, in our counties, and in various regions, and the jurisdictions that oversee cities, counties, and and regions, there's a a recognition of the value of healthy environments uh, ranging from clean rivers and creeks and streams to water in general, as well as healthy tree canopies and natural resources uh, in general. But it's not just for the sake of public health. It's not just for the sake of having healthy, aesthetic trees um, and an urban forest and watersheds, but we're recognizing the value uh, to economic development of any given uh, urban setting in particular. So today's topic is the topic of healthy ecosystems in, in urban environments, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest the executive director of a very forward-thinking nonprofit that is focusing its efforts on helping Sandy Springs, where many listeners know we are based, to be on top of having a very healthy ecosystem. And that's the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, and my guest is Bill Cleveland. Welcome to the Business Hour, Bill. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me. Um, Bill, well, we should probably just start off with a, an overview of what the Sandy Springs Environmental Project is and possibly have you tell us um, what the major elements uh, of that mission are. Well, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project has as its mission the promotion of technology uh, and specifically its application to environmental issues here in Sandy Springs. Um, Central to that mission is the use of uh, science uh, in many forms uh, to create a fact-based framework for discussion between the the community, the city administrators, and the elected officials. Now, um, within that larger uh, framework of of science, you also uh, are acting as advocates and I know that you're attempting to educate um, all of the uh, the groups that you just named. You know, uh, city staff, um, city consultants, um, as well as uh, residents. You know, the citizenry, and uh, and ultimately, um, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, Sandy Springs Environmental Project would like to have both um, short-term strategies for cleaning up um, streams, if you will, you know, having a healthy watershed, but also long-term strategies, you know, so that it's, 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 it's on track um, to, uh, to maintain um, a healthy environment. So let's just talk a little bit about um, um, why science is at the foundation uh, of each of these areas. And, uh, you know, I have to say that that's probably a uh, in the in this day, you know, it, it's smart to to have um, a a public policy related to the environment based in in, in science. 
It, it is smart. Um, one of the primary technologies that w- that we found ourselves advocating is is the use of satellite imagery and GIS software. Uh, these technologies give us uh, a good quantifiable view of what's happening in the environment. And that gives us, uh, that moves us away from talking about opinions and, and, and moves us toward talking about concrete sets of facts that, that you may agree or disagree over, but nevertheless you can focus your de- debate and discussion uh, around those facts. Um, Whereas if you get into trying to frame uh, frame a policy around opinion, that normally leads to confrontation. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's different. And that tends to lead to a a sort of paralysis. Uh, So that's why we're we're focusing on using uh, primarily satellite imagery and GIS software um, to generate the facts that we need for a discussion. I, I know uh, personally, uh, just looking at development um, all around uh, my home uh, here in Sandy Springs, that we have one of the prettiest and healthiest tree canopies um, in America. I mean, lots of people will tell you when they move to Atlanta that one of the things that they like most about it is that it's really very green. And and quite frankly, that's true for a lot of parts of the U.S., more so in the southeast than almost any other region, uh, possibly the Pacific Northwest, yeah. okay, um, where uh, you have um, uh, very um, uh, dense urban forestry but that those urban forests exist in our backyards and in our front yards and 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 in the case of uh, the metro atlanta region a lot of that is not in public parks because we don't really have on a proportion basis as many public parks as as some other municipalities and and uh, regions so that given that those trees and that that vegetation is is in our yards we find that a lot of residents themselves are not necessarily guilty of cutting down their own trees but once there's redevelopment for example um, I have seen that uh, a lot of those trees um, are cut to um, accommodate a larger footprint home for example a yard with uh, a big uh, swimming pool and grass which is all fine and good on one hand but if you add up, let's say you have 100 homes in a small subdivision and a third to one half of those homes, which we're currently seeing, there are actual subdivisions where a minimum of one third of the homes have already been um, demolished and there's new infill development. And if on that one third we're seeing 60 to 70 percent, and in some cases slightly more, uh, of the trees um, clear cut um, and you add that up that's a pretty significant number of trees and, and the reason that I'm doing some of the talking in this in this uh, interaction uh, is because of what I have I happen to have seen 
And I would think that GIS um, software and the satellite imagery, uh, and, and in many cases, uh, Google Maps mm-hmm. will reveal. You know, if you can get up-to-date Google Map imagery, you can see, oh, yeah, the 10 homes on that side of the street, uh, all of which are new, have 30% um, tree coverage, canopy, and the older homes have 80%. I mean, that's a significant net loss. So is, is, is that some of what we're talking about, Bill, is, is identifying those trends? Uh, it is. It's ironic that Charlotte, which is considered a major uh, tree preservation city, very aggressive, wants has a coverage of about 50%. They want to, in 20 years, they want to come up to where Sandy Springs is now, around this, around 60%. So it gives you an idea of what we have, the value of how other people in other communities uh, uh, want to be like us, in a, in a, in a, in a sense. And this the redevelopment is is historic. It really is. Uh, Sandy Springs was basically redeveloped between 1960 and, and mid-90s. That's when the housing stock was was uh, built, the vast bulk of it. Uh, we've sen- seen since 2007 an increasing, ongoing redevelopment of, of, of the housing stock. And, and that redevelopment is really healthy in the long term for a community to remain vibrant, but it has to be managed. And the the impact of redevelopment on the canopy is an issue that we have brought to the attention of the city for at least seven months. And the city has has uh, assured us that that issue will be addressed during this land use planning that's going on. And that's that's going to be um, a major milestone because it, it it brings us to the point of managing the the forest in a way that we give it enough uh, leeway to uh, regrow to, to to regenerate to its original canopy and I, and I think that's what we what we're looking for it's, it's, it's a form of sustainability you know a, a lot of people are aware that you know trees um, provide shade and that collectively um, you can have a a region uh, or a municipality that might have an average temperature that's one to two degrees lower than a, a similar size city or region <clears throat> which has a lot more concrete uh, and and in fact that concrete uh, to tree ratio is something that identified some 30 five years plus ago um, I moved from the west coast to Atlanta and when people said you know well what is it that you like about Atlanta and one thing I said is I I met a lot of very warm hospitable southern folks but the other thing I said was this particular city and the southeast in general is lush green and I love that lush greenness and I'd say you know the concrete to tree ratio here is much, much better than it is, for example, in in Southern California. Now, part of that has to do with 
uh, a more moist um, environment, you know, precipitation, rainfall, versus a more arid environment on the on the west coast. Um, but over the last few decades, um, as the the same economic development that we agree is good for um, Birmingham, Atlanta, Charlotte, and other major uh, southeastern cities. Um, may have um, us moving, altering that that ratio in, 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 a, in a negative way, and and I think what will happen is that a lot of people might look up and say, "Wow, our neighborhood used to be prettier." Sort of not realizing that when they bought their new house and the developer clear cut to uh, accommodate that larger footprint and the swimming pool and put in a little more grass had they held on to a few more trees just a few more or maybe a lot more that that it might have um, helped to maintain that uh, concrete to, to tree ratio that I'm talking about and I'm, and I'm not um, surprised and I we have to give credit um, to um, communities like Sandy Springs even before it was city and to Atlanta for actually holding on and keeping uh, you know a healthy tree canopy, I, I think that's another uh, aspect to um, uh, the culture of the southeast. Is folks have a it's almost a garden sensibility, you know. It, yeah. it, there, there, there's there's yeah. a there's a, a garden sensibility, and uh, on any given day in a lot of neighborhoods uh, throughout the southeast. I mean, and for that matter, various parts of the country, you'll see armies of landscape crews out there helping people maintain beautiful uh, yards. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, Bill, we'll talk a little bit more about the science, the advocacy, um, the educational aspect, and the strategic aspect to the Sandy Springs Environmental Project. We're here with Bill Cleveland. We'll be back with Bill right after this break. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. 
Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. You're listening to the Business Hour, and we've been talking with Bill Cleveland, the executive director of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, an organization that's dedicated to levering science and technology to help the city of Sandy Springs initiate and sustain public policies that help to protect and preserve the natural environment. You know, something that a lot of cities around the country uh, are, are trying to do now more than ever, but the question is, how do you do it in, in the most intelligent fashion, uh, stepping on the fewest number of toes, not, n- not just telling people willy-nilly, you can't cut your trees down, um, you know, the stream buffers have to be uh, this size, and making people feel like they have no access to uh, creeks and streams that go through their property. And um, what we've been talking about is how science can actually guide us um, in making decisions related to uh, environmental and natural resource protection policies. You had identified that science, advocacy, education, and strategy were um, some of the major pillars of, of, of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project mission and uh, we'll be talking about science off and on. Let's let's turn to um, who some of the key people are that you're currently working with in 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 the science community that that are helping uh, the SSEP uh, to um, engage science. Yeah, we, we've got a very very strong relationship with a number of people. Uh, probably the first person is Dr. Elizabeth Kramer over at UGA. Uh, Dr. Kramer is director of the Natural Resources Spatial Analysis Lab, and she has uh, given of her time and insights on on how um, um, how creeks um, become impaired. Um, Matt Monday at Georgia EPD um, samples the creeks uh, and streams in Sandy Springs, and he's given us insights into into what the some of the data that, that the state collects 
actually means in layman's terms, and that that is extremely valuable. Uh, scientists tend to get caught up in their own scientific language, and it makes it incredibly difficult uh, to translate that. Um, uh, Jamie Blackburn at uh, uh, ArborGuard has helped us uh, understand what ecosystem services the trees actually perform. And we're talking about things like carbon storage, rainfall, intercept, um, uh, filtering air pollutants, that sort of stuff. So he's helped us in that regard. And a, a big assist from the GIS personnel at Davy Resources Group, uh, which is a division of Davy Trees, but its solely um, a, uh, sole mission is uh, GIS studies. Uh, they've they've given us practical feedback on what what's cost effective to do, what's not, uh, how reliable the data is. So that's kind of how we've tapped into the scientific community. I want to share um, just a couple thoughts here. Uh, for one, Dr. Uh, Elizabeth Kramer is really on the very leading edge of, of science related to, to healthy uh, urban forests, uh, forests in general, but particularly urban forests. And uh, uh, when we talk about forest, um, I, I think a lot of people conjure up trees and and and. and and it actually Im- includes the full range of vegetation in a, in a given uh, eco environment, uh, you, you know. And so, um, if you add to that watershed, which includes you know rivers, creeks, streams, and the environment surrounding the rivers, creeks, and streams, uh, Dr. Liz Kramer has is is doing some research that's really at the forefront of what you're trying to do, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh- she, Dr. Kramer has has re, refocused where the efforts should be. Traditionally, uh, when you talk about water quality, you're talking about going down into the streams, finding a source of pollution, maybe uh, trying to construct a large-scale um, detention pond and filtering out everything uh, that way. That's and, and there's a role for that in, in some of the some of the uh, geographic areas, but it, it, it costs a lot of time, costs a lot of time and money to do th- stuff like that. What Dr. Kramer has pointed out is that the source uh, of the pollution, the drivers of the pollution, are located outside of outside of the uh, streams. They're in the impervious surface areas. And the value of her research is that you can refocus and access uh, the points of pollution. Now, that sounds like a kind of a academic argument, but in practicality, uh, the, uh, the SSEP worked with Dr. Kramer, with some of the city councilmen, some of the administrators on the development of an environmental modeling tool. And basically this modeling tool allows the city to locate and prioritize those areas where if the, if the uh, impervious surface were reduced, it would have an impact, on, a positive impact on, on the streams. Uh, that is really urban redesign. 
and that's a new approach. You know, we we um, or rather, you mentioned Matt Mundy of the Georgia EPD. Um, fortunately, um, there are people like Matt Mundy in place um, in across the country. Uh, in some cases. Um, the local jurisdiction, the state uh, environmental protection division, may or may not be as advanced. In Georgia, it's 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 a, a pretty advanced uh, organization, uh, state-run organization, and, and and fortunately, you have people like Matt Monday, who are looking at um, not just the major bodies of water. Um, many people uh, are probably not aware that. Um, you know, Sandy Springs is a uh, uh, an adjacent municipality to the city of, of Atlanta, uh, and is a urban suburban setting. Um, some of it closer into uh, Atlanta is is more urban. The parts which are further north are a little more suburban. <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, twenty miles of uh, the uh, city border um, are along the Chattahoochee River. So here's this huge river that supplies water to Tennessee, Alabama, and the state of Georgia, as well as Florida. Mm -hmm. And the 20 miles that are uh, contiguous with the Sandy Springs border uh, feed creeks, streams, that are running through our backyards uh, or front yards. And fortunately, you have people like Matt Monday who uh, can help track the health of even those smaller little tributaries. And so he's been working with you all, as I understand it, to um, look at um, even those small tributaries as you look at the big picture. And then you have Jamie Blackboard, uh, Blackburn of Arborgard, who is an urban uh, forestry expert, urban agriculture, if you will, and uh, Jamie is doing some work, and the ArborGuard organization is doing some work, which is at the forefront of maintaining healthy forests for other uh, municipalities uh, mm-hmm. on a large scale. Um, and, in fact, their uh, uh, CEO, uh, Spencer Rosenfeld, was on this very program some uh, months back. And uh, they're, they're truly more than a uh, um, a tree uh, cutting. Uh, in fact, that term may not even exist in their vocabulary and probably should not because they're, they're really uh, involved in tree and tree canopy health and, and overall um, vegetation uh, health. And then you have, as you mentioned, the GIS personnel folks at the Davy Resource Group who are also doing some very advanced things related to urban forestry and urban agriculture, if you will, um, so that that's a pretty impressive assemblage. If you add to that uh, someone who was also a guest on this program, uh, Mario Camberdala, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mario, who is a uh, landscape architect um, with uh, a background in environment and, and uh, uh uh, landscaping combined uh, is now the um, city of Atlanta's uh, urban forestry uh, director or something of that nature, but a tip of the hat to, to, to Mario, uh, because all of these folks are uh, part of your uh, advisory board. Yes. <coughs> uh, 
It's it's really an impressive group, and <clears throat> it would be one thing to just have a, an impressive group on a on a letterhead, but these guys are uh, active. And they're active in the projects that that we've uh, you know promoted, and and they're actively involved. And in fact, in, with Mario, um, it's an interesting story. Uh, he was. Yeah, I grew up here in Sandy Springs, and eventually went off to UGA, became a landscape architect. And senior year, he needed uh, a, a landscape architect's thesis. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought okay? because we're going to take a break. And when you come back, I want you to tell us about that senior thesis. Um, I know that it's something um, that is uh, very special uh, to the uh, Sandy Springs Educational or uh, Environmental Project. Um and we'll talk more about that right after this break. We're with Bill Cleveland, the executive director of the SSEP, and we'll be back right after this break. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Peter Wallace, inviting you to listen every Sunday morning to Day One with inspiring preachers from America's mainline churches on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we've been talking about healthy ecosystems in, in urban settings, and we've been talking to Bill Cleveland, the executive director of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, an organization that is dedicated to leveraging science and technology to help in this case, the city of Atlanta, and, and it certainly has applicability to many other cities, and I'm certain that um, what goes on here in Sandy Springs will be replicated um, in other cities. But for the time being, there isn't a, a clear roadmap uh, because a lot of cities have not been 
on the leading edge. They've done some very ambitious things to protect trees and keep their watershed healthy. But um, what the Sandy Springs Environmental Project is is trying to do uh, under Bill Cleveland's leadership is really engage state-of-the-art science and technology to inform uh, city officials, consultants, uh, and the general citizenry uh, about what can be done in terms of public policy to, in the short term, uh, keep um, watersheds healthier and maintain a healthier urban forest. Before the break, we talked about uh, folks like Dr. Liz Kramer, uh, Matt Mundy of the EPD, uh, Jamie Blackburn of Ar- Blackburn of Arbor Guard, and the GIS uh, staff at the Davy Resource Group, as well as Mario Cambernella of uh, the City of Atlanta. Now, um, Mario was in private practice and is really uh, w- one of the things we didn't mention is that he's he's more of an environmental planner. If you look at it on the larger scale than just a landscape architect. Uh, or an urban uh, agriculture uh, person; those those all fit into the larger framework of uh, environmental planning um, that every uh, city um, now uh, includes in its comprehensive uh, land use plans. Some better than others, and what the SSEP, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, is trying to do is harness this collective brain trust uh, on behalf of the city uh, and. Before the break, we were talking about Mario Cambardella uh, and how he came up with a concept which is one of the projects uh, uh, on the list of projects for the Sandy Springs Environmental Project. And Bill, tell us more about this uh, project and how it fits in with some of the other aspects of what are going on in Sandy Springs. <clears throat> yeah, uh, like I was saying before the break, Mario was a senior at UGA when uh, he needed a senior's thesis, and he had an internship with uh, the Sandy San- Springs Conservancy, which is an organization I helped found. And as a result of his internship, um, he wrote his senior thesis on a greenway along Marsh Creek between Roswell Road and Glen Lake. Okay, so it was a nice thesis in the Conservancy. It tried to promote it, but what it didn't get any traction. We fast forward to 2014 when we were working with Dr. Kramer on the environmental modeling project, and we got wind of Mario's uh, senior thesis uh, on the Marsh Creek Greenway, and we brought it to the attention of... Uh, Ronnie Young at the Parks Department and uh, uh, Gabe Sterling, who's a council member for uh, uh, the 4th District in which Marsh Creek lies, at least partially. They both loved it. So uh, that project is now on the land use plan of the city of Sandy Springs and and will eventually, I'm assuming, um, be uh, um, uh, funded. Now, this goes back to Max, Matt Monday, too. Matt is with the EPD. He took a look at the plans and said, now, oh, this is great. This is not going to harm the environment in any way. And we've really got some act- interesting uh, data from, from Mario because 
that area has 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 had egrets in the past, blue heron. You know, wildlife that you wouldn't uh, normally associate with an urban area. So uh, we want to we want to use uh, that type of project to promote uh, science, uh, promote an understanding of the ecology through the schools uh, surrounding you know in the in the, in the general area, and it, it just it just helps to to build an awareness among all of the community of how we benefit from from uh, the ecology. You know, one of the the advantages, as I see it, you know, I've I've reviewed that uh, project uh, um, proposal, uh, and part of the beauty is that it's leveraging an existing uh, setting. Uh, and as as Mario Mario had uh, mentioned, uh, you know, when he grew up, he grew up playing in that uh, very mm-hmm. creek setting. And you know, again, we want to give credit uh, to. Um, Sandy Springs and and to some extent before Sandy Springs the county because uh, Atlanta has or rather Sandy Springs only been a city for 10 years you know the the ordinances related to to buffers uh, for creeks and streams helped to maintain um, the creek It, it, it very well may be that this creek is suffering from some of the same problems of uh uh Toxicity that uh, other creeks and streams are subject to uh, because of water runoff and and and, and other contributors, um, but nevertheless, to some extent, the health uh, of the very uh, creeks and streams uh, exists because of those ordinances. And uh, what Mario's concept does is uh, only contribute to the health because it's talking about you know. Maintaining a more active uh, a system for keeping that creek protected, and then leveraging the beauty of it to to create a trail that would become a pedestrian uh, trail, so that you know people can walk, jog, and ride their bikes. And as I understand it, because at one end of the project um, you have a concentration of uh, corporate offices, you've got the, the UPS headquarters. Uh, the uh, Kaiser Permanente headquarters and a new project which is adjacent to the new Mercedes-Benz North American headquarters um, that has a tributary coming off of this creek um, which is something we can talk about as well because I know SSEP has contributed to a consciousness that is helping to protect that tributary this beautiful uh, um, uh, creek that flows through uh, that uh, Glenridge property and the Marsh Creek Greenway project, the, the concept that Mario worked out while he was at the University of Georgia, also can dovetail very nicely with the Abernathy Greenway uh, that exists so that you could have a, uh, a pedestrian path. I mean, you're not going to go under or over some intersection, so you'll probably have to stop at a couple of major intersections uh, so that you're maybe jogging in place. But you'll be able to then pick it up after the uh, the end of the Abernathy uh, Parkway Greenway, and then uh, continue on on the Marsh Creek Greenway. And there are people talking about um, uh, walking, uh, jogging, or cycling to work. Um, you know, a- and going in either direction. So it's it's really consistent with the kinds of things that lots of municipalities are trying to do green space wise, 
and on top of that, um, natural resources protection-wise. Yeah, and once once the community understands what an asset uh, we have, um, uh, th- then it becomes easier to, to draw their attention to the challenges. Marsh Creek is a good example. Uh, Marsh Creek and others ha- have, in other creeks in Sandy Springs have, in recent years, uh, been listed as an impaired creek because of of what the state ca- uh, classifies as uh, impairment of the fish community. In other words, uh, and that, and that sounds kind of trendy, but it's really got a basis basis in common sense and science. Fish are um, extremely sensitive to the pollutants in the stream. So it, it's a good indication of stream health. Uh, and and what we've seen over the last oh, 20 years is that the amount of impervious surface is contributing to sedimentation in the creeks. And sedimentation uh, has a negative impact on the habitats of, uh, of aquatic life forms. So that uh, that reduction in, in impervious surface in, at, at its base in the commercial districts uh, uh, can help over the long term to restore our uh, streams. And, and really, you can bring them back to what, what they uh, were originally. And these were fishing streams long before... Um, um, before Sandy Springs became an urban environment. You know, we have uh, on, on previous shows, uh, in fact, um, Mario uh, helped us uh, talk about uh, the value to uh, economic development of, of a municipality uh, or, a, or a region, an urban region. Uh, also, um, when we had uh, Michael Hellicky of the Park Pride organization, we talked about the same thing. The notion that you have a protected uh, green space, and uh, and it raises the value of all the homes surrounding that green space in much the same way that if you live on a golf course, uh, the golf course itself, which is a green space, uh, contributes to uh, the increased value of homes. But if you have a green space that even more people than just golfers have access to, it serves as an amenity while it's contributing to a healthy environment. I know that I live by a large park, and I enjoy the fact that I can jog um, uh, through the trees and around the park in a, in a nice setting. But I would love to have a creek that's nearby uh, that I could jog along. Uh, you know, just the the you know, it, it would be so nice to look over and see a blue heron, uh, and to just uh, um, see the 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 creek, uh, hear the creek. We have a, 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 a creek that runs through our neighborhood. It's in the backyards of uh, some of the homes um, on the western uh, periphery of the subdivision, and then there are homes uh, a few hundred yards over whose backyards share about 35 acres uh, of, of essentially green space with a, with, a, with a meandering creek. It's a really beautiful setting. We're not going to build a path along it. This is through people's backyards. You know, that's mm-hmm. not going to become a public uh, uh, space. Um, and 
rightfully so. You can't just commandeer your land in that way. But with Marsh Creek, it's a perfect setup to make it a, uh, a public amenity and have it be a part of this uh, healthy ecosystem uh, um, scenario. We're going to take another break. When we come back, um, there are some uh, things that uh, I think we uh, need to touch on, one of which is uh, there are a few uh, city officials whose names uh, I'd like to name because I think that they've been very receptive uh, to uh, some of what the Sandy Springs Environmental Project is doing. Um, You mentioned at least one council person, Gabe Sterling, um, but also the mayor and a few other folks. We're going to take a break. We're here with Bill Cleveland of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project. We'll be back with Bill right after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Bill Cleveland, Executive Director of the Environmental, the Sandy Springs Environmental Project, and we've been talking about how uh, the SSEP is leveraging science and technology to influence public policy related to maintaining a healthy uh, ecosystem, something that a lot of cities around the country have been doing for a number of years, but which the SSEP is trying to help Sandy Springs do in a very leading-edge kind of way. Um, I, I, for one, happen to know that um, the mayor, Rusty Paul, um, you mentioned Gabe Sterling, one of the council members. Uh, Andy Bellman's another council member who's been very receptive. John McDonough, the city manager, is a very forward-thinking city manager. Jim Tolbert and Michelle Alexander. John Cheek's a guy who you and I have, through the years, um, 
worked with on various urban revitalization projects, and and so there is a framework. There, there, there there's a a, a collective. Uh, a critical mass, we'll say, uh, of consciousness in the city that this is the kind of thing that could really be good for Sandy Springs, uh, and that um, and, and and that it's good for the community and not just good for uh, um, having a, a healthy tree canopy and, and healthy watershed. Yes, that's really important, and it has influences on public health and aesthetics. But it you know it all works together, and uh, and so. One of the, the the missions of um, the SSEP is to help educate people as well, right? I mean, uh, yeah. What, what, and and how, how do you uh, plan about uh, uh, plan on helping to educate people? Well, it's somewhat e- the, the, this land use planning process made made things a little bit easier in that one of the surveys uh, that the consultants pr- uh, performed indicate asked. What, what do you, what do you identify as a major element of Sandy Springs? And trees and the canopy became almost the the top response. In other words, people identify Sandy Springs with trees. That's made it, I think, easier to uh, approach the the city administrators and the councilmen who really had already kind of intuitively uh, um, processed this on their own but now they're getting validation from the community and when you sprinkle in uh, the, um, the the science aspect of it so now you can begin to talk uh, within a framework like you're talking about it's fact-based, uh, and and that makes communication, I think, easier. Um, and it's easier for folks to see the relationship between the canopy and the stream because, like you say, uh, there's a stream going through your neighborhood with a buffer and a bunch of trees. Same, same for my neighborhood. So people can see physically and visually uh, how the presence or absence of, of under of vegetation or trees uh, affects the uh, uh, health of the streams also. So I think that, that sort of stuff uh, uh, all makes this communication a lot easier. And, and I, um, I don't want to be remiss. I, I, I want to point out that if anyone's listening now and has Googled Sandy Springs Environmental Project. It may take you to a website that is currently under construction, but which still will offer some information, and, and that is uh, www.ssenvironmental.org. Um, that website is uh, is uh, a bare bones version of what is currently been working being worked on, as I understand it, and uh, and so. You'll 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 get a little more information uh, online that way, and I want to turn uh, for a moment here, Bill, to to your background and, and how it is you came to um, form the uh, Sandy Springs Environmental Project. What, what what was your educational background? Ah, uh, my educational background was a BA from Wake Forest and an MA from Emory. Um, I think Emory, uh, when I attended, was just on the just on the uh, edge of 
introduction of computers to society, and that was that was my big introduction, and I just ate that up. That was it was like a kid in a candy store. Uh, uh, at, <coughs> I went on to um, went on to a career at AT and T. I'm retired. My my assignments were engineering, budgeting, capital management. Uh, project management, so heavily involved in uh, the project technology and, and yeah, money. Yeah, that actually was was a an incredible benefit in terms of civic because it taught me the the phases of a project and how a project unfolds and what you have to have in each phase. Uh, and what we're doing are projects. And, and, and it gives me a better uh, appreciation of how things need to unfold, what resources you have to accumulate in each phase, and how you, what constitutes a successful project. Yeah, good project management is what um, a lot of organizations uh, all could benefit from. Um, for, when did you first become aware um, when when did the uh, uh, environment uh, become... Um, a, a focus uh, for your attention, and and then how did it evolve to the point where you're uh, interested enough to spend the kind of time that you currently spend uh, related to uh, environmental protection? Ironically, um, it was when I was a member of the Atlanta Ski Club, um, and I'd always liked being outdoors, and one. One year they offered uh, a backpacking trip. Actually, it was a series of backpacking trips uh, along the Appalachian Trail. So I signed up for it, and that was an eye-opening experience. Uh, you really get to see uh, what nature is really all all about. You know, un- literally. You know, yeah, yeah, literally, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's not. Uh, uh, a tame down nature it's nature in the wild you <laughs> and that was a great experience um, and I think that's probably the the point where I got a greater appreciation for it um, when I be- became uh, active in civic affairs with SSRI it kind of emerged that was kind of a merging experience because I was already uh, active you know at, at and t and project management and quantitative stuff I had this uh, uh, appreciation for the environment and uh, I ended up chairing the Green Space Committee and that committee um, basically led to such things as Foundation of the Conservancy Overlook Park um, uh, Abernathy Park a lot of these things and that was a good, good appreciation for what's going on in the community and applying your skills uh, in a way that you help the community. Yeah, it would seem that what you're doing now um, in terms of combining um, science uh, and public policy are, are the perfect extension of what you studied and then the project management aspect with AT&T for a lot of years um, yeah. uh, have um, prepared you and made you ideally suited to uh, uh, head up the uh, Sandy Springs Environmental Project. What, what's what's the uh, the long term uh, uh, hope and strategy uh, for uh, 
SSEP and and the city of Sandy Springs in terms of uh, uh, natural resources uh, and a healthy ecosystem? I think the the long term vision is to basically analyze the canopy, the 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 streams, identify identify and map the uh, environmental and sensitive areas, and then ultimately form a, a public uh, private partnership that would go on as a legacy project into the future. Uh, and the reason why we say public private is that if you look at a charter. Uh, of the city of Sandy Springs and look at the functions that they're being asked to perform and perform well. Uh, that's a lot of complex subjects. You can't do it alone. You can't, uh, uh, you can't manage something this fundamental without help. Um, and, and it is fundamental because it's recognized under the Clean Water Act of 1972 as a mandatory uh, uh, function of municipalities. And one of the things that makes Sandy Springs a little different, and a lot of listeners may be aware of this, is that Sandy Springs um, was set up from day one as a municipality that outsources a variety of, uh, of, of city functions. Um, police and fire, you know, public safety is in, internal, and yet there's an army of uh, consultants uh, that help provide everything from uh, water resources uh management uh, to transportation. So, uh, you know, certainly, you know, working with public and private sectors is uh, um, something that it could help bring uh, bring all of this to fruition. Uh, Bill, I want to thank you for taking the time to be my guest on the Business Hour. I've enjoyed it. I uh, think the work of the Sandy Springs Environmental Project is good for the, uh, the community uh, now and for years and years to come. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio and the Internet next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.